0: Hi! You're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Discovery. Time flies when you're learning super cool stuff. I'm Nate.
1: And I'm Callie. If you're dropping in for the first time, welcome to Curiosity, where we aim to blow your mind by helping you to grow your mind. If you're a loyal listener, welcome back.
0: Today, you'll learn about how your next scrape might be healed using algae, what ancient Mayans can teach us about water conservation, and the skincare routines of humpback whales.
1: Without further ado, let's satisfy some Curiosity. Did you know that between 1% and 3% of all surgeries in the United States lead to infections at the site of the surgery?
0: I mean, it's a small percentage, but it's of a huge number, right? So that kind of leads me to believe that infections from surgery are actually quite a big problem.
1: And you're not wrong. But it's not just infections from surgery that give doctors and healthcare providers such pains. See, infections affect millions of people around the world every year. And it's not just that little, like, stingy red awfulness you get around the paper cut. When wounds get infected by bacteria, the results can be deadly, especially if you've got other health issues going on, like diabetes.
0: Mm, We've done a few stories on antibiotic-resistant bacteria. Doctors are always on the lookout for new treatments to fight back against some of these little germs that have somehow figured out how to just ignore the usual treatments.
1: Exactly. So, get this. A new way to treat cuts, scrapes, wounds, and all kinds of injuries could be on the horizon, and it's coming from algae.
0: You mean like, um... Pond scum?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah. Brandy. So it's that stuff that <laughs> it's that stuff that thrives in warm, nutrient-rich waters like lakes and ponds and lazy rivers. Some algal blooms happen when the algae grows out of control and can be super toxic to the plants and animals living in the water, and even to people who happen to be around the shore or taking a dip in it. But not all algae is bad. I mean, like, have you ever heard of Spirulina?
0: Um yeah, hang on. I- feel like a friend takes that as a supplement, like super shakes or whatever. That's an algae?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, it's also called blue-green algae, and it's a super rich source of protein, vitamins, minerals, fatty acids. It's kind of like one of those miracle supplements that sounds too good to be true. It's got antioxidant and anti-inflammatory properties, too.
0: It does sound too good to be true. So are doctors patching up wounds with pond slime now? What's the deal?
1: (laughs) Well, not exactly, but… Sort of? Scientists wanted to know if blue-green algae could be used in wound dressings to help cuts and injuries heal up faster. But here's the thing. The algae has really thick cell walls, which makes it next to impossible to extract all that good stuff from it. Imagine the algal cell wall is like a microscopic almond with a super hard shell.
0: It's a tough nut to crack.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So researchers blasted the algae with plasma. (laughs) Plasma?
0: Like, Plasma? Plasma?
1: (laughs) Like superheated gas with electrons separated from atoms to create a mix of positive ions and negative electrons? Plasma. Okay,
0: that's uh, that's what I thought you meant. Did did it just, like, cook the algae then?
1: It did something way cooler than that, actually. It burst the algae open and transformed it into an ultra-thin bioactive sheet that they could use as a coating on bandages. It basically cracked the nut and turned the insides into, like, almond butter.
0: That's pretty cool. But did the coating actually work to heal wounds?
1: Well, that's the best part. It worked even better than they thought it would. It killed all kinds of infection-causing bacteria and stopped biofilm from forming over the wound. That's the stuff where bacteria goes to basically hide from antibiotics. And in the experiments, wounds treated with the new coating closed up in two days flat.
0: So they took a natural cure-all, blasted it with some uh, high-tech plasma, and (laughs) put it on bandages. This... Sounds like something out of a Marvel movie.
1: <laughs> yep, and it's relatively cheap and easy to fight infection and help people stay healthy.
0: All right, well, three cheers for algae. The Mayan people existed for thousands of years in the tropics of Central America, but by the year 250, their civilization was in full force, supporting a population in the millions.
1: Oh, I love a good story about the Mayan people. They were They were pretty incredible, right?
0: Totally. They had cleared trade routes through jungle and swamps, built permanent settlements in cities, and made huge advances in mathematics, architecture, and astronomy. But there's one challenge that caught the eye of an anthropologist named Lisa Lucero at the University of Illinois. Water scarcity.
1: Wait, water scarcity? Didn't the Mayans live in the jungle?
0: Well, yeah, but in those tropical southern lowlands, not only do they have an annual dry season, they also see a lot of climate instability. And what do you think of when you think of a jungle?
1: Uh, sweat?
0: Yes, actually. It's hot. And that heat means that people need more water to stay hydrated. So you take the increased need for water, add to that dry season and the sometimes unpredictable rainfall, and you've got a problem.
1: I guess you could just store it, though, right?
0: Absolutely, but where? Water storage is a pretty huge and modern engineering feat. And there's another problem with storing water in the jungle. Mosquitoes.
1: Oh, right. Mosquitoes reproduce in stagnant water, don't they?
0: They sure do. And so do all kinds of other bacteria and germs and creepy crawlies. So it doesn't take long to realize that all the rain you've gathered has turned into a swampy, buggy, germy, stinking mess.
1: Okay, this is really interesting because we've talked about water shortages on the show before. As the climate is changing, some areas are seeing historic droughts and the total depletion of underground aquifers. So water management is kind of an old problem that's getting some new attention.
0: That, my friend, is one of the reasons Professor Lucero wanted to study the incredible Mayan reservoir system.
1: Okay, that gets my attention. I'm now just imagining pyramids full of water and carved stone channels shooting through the jungle like the world's greatest ancient water slide. <laughs> uh
0: Well, that would be cool, but the way they likely saved their water, according to Lucero, is a bit more ingenious. They created reservoirs that were basically natural wetlands.
1: <laughs> like they constructed nature?
0: You got it. They built what's called constructed wetlands, or CWs, and we still build them to this day.
1: But how do constructed wetlands keep the bugs and germs away?
0: I'm glad you asked. CWs use wetland vegetation, soils, and little microbes that love that ecosystem to basically clean up the water. Plants like cattails, water hyacinths, reeds, and a bunch of other plants help to purify the water as it swooshes around. And when those plants break down, They create microbial films that help break down other bad stuff further. And then, these little zooplankton gobble up pathogens and bacteria.
1: Okay, wow. It's like nature's own sort of water filtration system. And the Mayan people knew about it thousands of years ago.
0: That is the coolest thing about this. Like you said, billions of people could be facing water shortages in any given year. And studies like this show that there could be self-sufficient ways to use nature's own system to clean our water supply without chemicals. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today.
1: What image do you conjure up when I say spa day?
0: Hmm, I think of people with cucumbers on their eyes wrapped in like a giant fluffy white towel. Or maybe some of the like the mud smudged around on their face, something like that.
1: <laughs> okay, now imagine instead of people, the spa is full of humpback whales.
0: All right. I've, that sounds like a prompt for an AI image generator. I mean,
1: <laughs> right? Well, it turns out it's kind of a real thing.
0: AI image generations of whales in the spas? Or just whales going to the spa? Oh, do
1: they put sea cucumbers over their eyes? <laughs> oh my gosh, no. Okay. Okay, so... All the way back in 2007, scientists observed and described a behavior in a few humpback whales that they called kelping. The whales found a clump of uh, kelp—it's that brown, leafy, seaweed beachgoers kind of try to avoid—and just rolled around in it. They smushed it across their heads and fins, and they played with it. They carried around on their bodies— (laughs)
0: That sounds pretty cute. Like, it reminds me of, you know, you see dogs wiggling around and, like, scrubbing their backs on the grass.
1: Exactly. So, since 2007, researchers didn't really think much about it. They assumed it was kind of a one-off thing. Like, a couple of these whales got a hold of something novel and just had to— play with it. But a new study that looked through nearly a hundred social media posts that spanned oceans from the Northeast Pacific to the North Atlantic and waters off the East and West Coast of Australia suggests that kelping could be a real global phenomenon.
0: Social media posts. So are the whales on Insta or YouTube?
1: If they were, I would absolutely follow. Uh, no, these are social media posts from humans who have observed this behavior all over the world.
0: Ah, that makes more sense. So what's going on here?
1: Well, remember the humpback spa day? The researchers think kelping could be one of those activities that's both playful and useful for them. The seaweed could act sort of like a body scrub. And humpbacks have these little hairs around their heads and jaws that are sensory, so they probably get a bit of a tingle when they cover themselves with kelp.
0: It's like a humpback mud mask.
1: Totally. And researchers say the therapeutic benefits could actually be pretty big. The seaweed or kelp could play a role in helping them slough off parasites and bacteria that colonize on their skin.
0: Ooh, it's exfoliating.
1: (laughs) Yep. And some think kelp could have antimicrobial properties as well, which would increase its therapeutic value. They've even been observed biting down on it.
0: But humpback whales don't have teeth, right? They're filter feeders, so they just have baleen, don't they?
1: Oh, yeah. Biting down on something like that just isn't a natural behavior for them, so maybe chomping on a bit of kelp is like a good old-fashioned mouthwash. Hmm,
0: Social media posts, spa days, fresh breath. Are the whales getting ready for a hot date or what?
1: (laughs) So it's hard to say for sure. But this study opens up a new field of inquiry into how animals like humpbacks interact with objects and features of their environments. And that's important because...
0: Because their environments are changing.
1: Exactly. Climate change and warming ocean temps are causing things like kelp and seaweed to, I mean, change. Understanding how whales use those materials will help us understand how they'll be affected when those materials themselves change.
0: I wonder if they uh, also hire octopuses to give them massages. Like eight massaging hands at once. that feel <laughs> magical. Oh. Let's recap what we learned today to wrap up.
1: Researchers have tapped into blue-green algae's magic, transforming the smoothie favorite into super bandages that not only fight off bacteria but also turbocharge wound healing. Nature's got your next boo-boo covered.
0: Exploring the ancient, classic Maya civilization's ingenious response to water scarcity, new research suggests their urban reservoirs functioned similarly to today's constructed wetlands using aquatic plants and organisms for natural water purification. This age-old sustainable approach offers insights into addressing modern water challenges.
1: Researchers studying social media posts from around the world have caught humpback whales in the act of kelping around, rolling and frolicking with seaweed in what could be the ocean's version of a spa day, offering both a ticklish good time and a clever way to ditch those pesky parasites. The findings are redefining the splashy social lives of these gentle giants and could have big ripples for their conservation.
0: Curiosity Daily is produced by Wheelhouse DNA for Discovery. You can find our show wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd love if you could leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify.
1: Our Discovery executive producer is Dominique Vu. Our Wheelhouse DNA executive producer is Cassie Berman. This show is hosted by Callie Gate and Nate Bonham.
0: Our producer is Kiara Noni, and our associate producer is Kimaya Floyd. Writing is done by Sam Osterhout.
1: Sound design, audio engineering, and editing by Nick Karasimi. I'm Nate Bonham. And I'm Callie Gade. We'll see you next week. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.